0: The following is a presentation of the Premier Dance Network. Hi everyone, Kimberly Fulker here, the founder and CEO of the Premier Dance Network, the only podcast network dedicated solely to the world of dance. And welcome to Pod to Chat with your host, Barry Corellis. Hello and welcome back. Thanks for coming to chat. I am your host, Barry Corellis, and you are listening to Pod to Chat Talking Dance on the Premier Dance Network. In this bi monthly podcast, I candidly offer educational conversations and thoughtful analysis on all things dance. With my vast background as a director, choreographer, instructor, and dancer, I am happy to share my 17 plus years of experience with you, whether you're a professional dancer or just listening in for an insider's look into our fascinating art form. So put your earbuds in, grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and let's talk dance. Hey, hey, and happy June. I can't believe that we are coming to the end of yet another season in dance. Uh, if I sound weird today, it's because I seem to have caught a springtime pre-summer cold. I uh, <laughs> I thought I made it through the allergy season, so I stopped taking my Claritin. And I don't know if that was like the reason that I got sick, but... Uh, Yeah, after a week without it, I ended up getting sick. So maybe it was that or maybe it wasn't. But at least I have a little bit of a deeper voice to sound good for, you know, radio, podcasting, all that. Uh, But yeah, as I mentioned, the past dance seasons generally run like American school years from late August or early September to the beginning of June. It's been quite a season for me. And as I'm learning more and more about myself every year, I'm finding that I'm pretty good at driving myself towards burnout. (laughs) Uh, True, that's a fact. Trying to learn from it. Uh, call me a workaholic or a people pleaser or whatever you want. But I've done this with my training, my freelance career, blogging, my commuting to build a life in New York City, and now my teaching career. So I'm setting myself up for a little more downtime this summer to refresh and determine my needs and to reassess my goals. So uh, I'm still teaching at Broadway Dance Center, my regular Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday ballet classes. I'm also adding uh, Saturday classes on starting June 15th. Uh, advanced beginner ballet at ten thirty a.m. and intermediate contemporary at noon. Um, but other than that, I haven't committed to any uh, regular schedule at any summer programs. I am teaching a few one-off master classes, and I am also teaching at the Dance Teachers United Convention down at, in Biloxi, Mississippi, and that'll be taking place uh, July. What are the dates, Barry? I believe they're, it's July 12th through 14th, whatever that Friday, Saturday, Sunday is that weekend. So uh, it's my first convention. I'm really looking forward to going down there. I'll be teaching both ballet and contemporary. Um, and I'm, I'm looking forward to getting to meet a bunch of new dancers and new, new teachers and visiting a state I haven't been to. And also seeing if teaching at conventions is something I would like to pursue more. Uh, but yeah, so I, I do have time in my schedule right now um to teach and choreograph and uh do other other ventures. Um so if you are looking for anything like that, that's not something permanent, like regular, like Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Um, I, I do have some time in my schedule and I am very open to doing that kind of stuff. I think that just like the regular going to the same place every single day or multiple days a week, I just need a little break from that. So that's what's going on with that. Alrighty, now that I'm through with that intro, uh, so this week is essentially the end of my season and uh, a lot has happened, I decided that I'm going to actually use today's podcast to analyze my year in real time for today's episode. Uh, Did I say episode twice there? I think I said episode twice, sorry. (laughs) I'm not going back and redoing it. Um, Partially, I'm gonna do this partially for me to document as I learn and grow from my own uh, successes and failures and those around me Um, and partially to share with all of you listeners how I go about things so that you can use the same tools to build more success in your lives and careers. One thing that I've learned is documentation, analysis, and planning are the most valuable tools I have in order to continue pushing myself on track towards the goals I have for myself in my life and career. Um, I've talked on chat in the past about uh, doing retreats, and I actually just did one like two weeks ago. I, I picked a neighborhood in, in the city that I live. Now that it's New York, I decided to go to Hamilton Heights like two weeks ago. And I spent like two or three hours with all of my, uh, like my phone shut off and no uh, no communication. Um, and I analyzed previous goals and I discussed with myself, like written down on paper, uh, like what I've done well, what I could have done better, and I analyze different things and then in the end I come up with ten new goals and actually at the end of this podcast, I will probably go through uh, some of those goals that I set so yeah I I feel like there have been a few themes that I wanted to discuss like topics of my my season and even like some of these they they go back a few seasons um, and they sort of just like came to uh, a head uh, this, this year. So um, the first thing that I wanna talk about is stability. So building stability has been the overwhelming theme of my life since I began freelancing in 2012. Uh, while I was successful, I never felt fully stable during my freelance career. My finances were feast or famine. I was barely ever home. And when my performance career came crashing to a halt, And that was back in like 2014. My future in dance didn't even feel stable. I I didn't know if I would have to take work uh, that was outside of our field in order to survive. Finally, for the first time in six years, the first part of 2018 was really the first time that I remember... Feeling stable again. Uh, but pr- prior to that, when I was dancing with Pacific Northwest Ballet, I felt very stable. Um, and I left in two thousand eleven to join Ballet X in Philadelphia, and I wasn't really sure like whether that would feel stable or not. And very quickly, I realized that it wouldn't, and then I ended up freelancing halfway through that season. So, uh, it it had been quite some time since I had any sense of stability in my life. So back in 2018, where this all started and into this season, I had a schedule and I wasn't concerned about seeking income on a regular basis because I had a steady stream of income coming in through continuous employment in Connecticut, New York, and New Jersey. I finally felt like I was hitting a stride when fall 2018 started. So that was the beginning of this this past season. Everything was set up and comfortable and flowing well. I felt appreciated and respected at all the schools I was teaching at. I felt established enough in my career that publications like Dance Magazine cared enough to feature me and also have me write for them. While I was working my booty off, I still came to my own home to sleep in my own bed, even if I was still super commuting three days a week from New York to Connecticut. And that really was quite a big deal because um, I mean, the four years that I freelanced, I was sleeping in host families' houses and in hotels um, and then the two years that I super community, I probably spent more nights on my friend's couches than I did in my own bed in Philadelphia. So yeah, uh, my, my hubby and I felt so stable that we actually decided to finally cash in on a wonderful gift that one of our best friends gave us as a wedding present. And are we, we got married back in May of two thousand. 16. So three years. Yeah. We just had a three year anniversary, (laughs) like just had it. But I mean, we've been together for 13 and a half years. So it doesn't feel like that big of a difference, but yeah. So, um, we, when we got married almost, well at the time it was two, two, two and a half years. Um, prior to this, our friend said he would fly us anywhere in the world. Uh, so we finally felt stable enough to cash in on that. And, uh, it was incredible. So 2018 ended for us on a glorious high watching a river of lanterns flow through the skies of Chiang Mai, Thailand. Uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about, there's a lantern festival at, uh, one of the historic walls of the old city there. Um, and it was amazing. I, I posted some pictures on my Instagram. You can check it out, but it was just incredible for hours and hours and hours, just thousands of lanterns being lit off, probably really bad for the environment, but Uh, Just a very beautiful moment um, for me and my husband personally. So the new year ended and everything felt just right. (laughs) But after a wonderful trip to Asia, which I discussed on my podcast back back in January, 2019 clearly wasn't going to continue this thread. After a rough return trip from Asia, it started to become clear that 2019 was going to present me with a great array of challenges, which would rock me to my core and force me to once again wrestle with the idea of being unstable, to be happier, to find success in what drives me, to feel more fulfilled and inspired and less likely to fall along that path towards burnout that I am oh so familiar with. Uh, one thing that I kept on saying to everybody and (laughs) I haven't said it in the last month, but for like the first like four months of the year, I, everybody would ask me like, Oh, how are you doing? What's new? And I'd be like, well, it's just been weird. There were just so many weird things that have happened in 2019 and not that like great things haven't happened, but it's just, it's, it's just been an, uh, an atypical year, um, all all of the above, everything that I've mentioned, it, it's caused me to re-enter another period with less stability as I explore my options for the future. So okay, stability that was a big thing for me that uh started to change into the, in this the second half of this season. So uh, one of the reasons that I am stable is because of my teaching. So I'm gonna talk about teaching next. I, I've really enjoyed teaching the past few years I, I love teaching master classes for all types of dancers but my biggest passion lies in working with students and professionals um, sorry students with professional aspirations and professionals um, i I also of course love my adult students and I love working with students on all tracks but to remain inspired as a teacher, I need to have a majority of my regular teaching work happening in the vein of professional track or professional dancers and I I think I've mentioned this on this podcast previously, but for me, um, choreography is my number one. And the reason I love teaching is because I see teaching young artists and professionals as working with dancers that might once dance in my own company. Um, And I love teaching adults because I feel like I'm cultivating and educating our audience. Um, So that's why I... I truly do love to teach, but teaching for me is what helps me do my choreography. Um, so for me, while it's very important to me and I do love it very much, it is the next step down for my choreography. Um, so yeah, when when I received a position a few years ago, teaching in a semi-professional, pre-professional environment, I was happy that some of my students had aspirations beyond an after-school activity to put on their college applications. There were drastic changes in my uh, in my teaching life this year with a loss of leadership at one of my schools. And I, I found myself caught in the middle of doing my job in politics. Uh, and this was really, really hard for me. I didn't know if I wanted to help, if I wanted to lead, or if I wanted to bow out. Um, it was very complicated. And honestly, it's too soon for me to talk details out of respect for the situation. But what I realized through this shake up, I guess you could say, was a, I, I was no longer growing as an artist, which uh, for me in my current form, like I hope one day that I'll be okay with where I am. But in my current form at the age of 35, pretty young and new to this stage of my career, um, growing, growth is the most valuable aspect of any job I take. I If I feel like I am stagnant, or or if I feel like there really isn't anywhere else for me to go, it really takes a toll on me emotionally. Um, so yeah, I, I just realized that I was no longer growing as an artist and that I was, again, starting to burn out. And since I've burnt out so many times, I know when it's happening. And I started actually, in April, I started reaching out to people that I work with and telling them, I, I think I need to slow down because I'm burning out. I mean, I, I was teaching this year. I was better. I, I took Sundays off most weeks. Um, but Monday through Saturday, I would essentially teach like 10 to 14 classes and anywhere from like six to 10 private lessons. And that's like not including like writing articles for dance media, like doing this podcast podcast any of the administrative work that I do because um, I'm constantly interacting with people or even choreography. Like I I did a lot of choreography this year. So th- to add like that <laughs> and then to feel like I'm not growing and to be running around like a maniac, like I knew I was burning out and I tried to like fix situations by telling people that I need to lessen my load and be less involved. Um, and it wasn't that I, I was trying to be like, tell people that like you need to give me less it was just like i i need to pull back and it's not because i don't want to do things it's because i know that i'm not going to last if i keep on doing this i I feel very lucky that i can start to recognize these things now because i don't feel completely burnt out um but there have been times where i've been like whoa i'm going back down in that direction So yeah, for specific reasons, I could no longer educate and was forced to show up and just teach. And I see a big difference between the two. I've actually written about teaching adults for dance magazine, and you can hear my struggle when it came to patronizing dancers in class for me in that article. When it comes to educating versus giving class, one is patronizing to me and the other promotes growth. So after months of thoughtful consideration, I chose to step down from my position with that school to offer somebody else an opportunity and to open up space in my schedule for whatever opportunity needs to fill it. And I don't know what that's going to be. I know teaching is still going to be a very big, important part of my life, but I'm hoping that I can find more conservatory or university work in in new york city so that i don't have to be on the train i've been commuting for so long and i'm ready to like really get to dig into my choreography and I, i need local work to be able to do that um but beyond that i'm now that i'm trying i'm going down to teach at this convention i'm curious about doing more convention work um and obviously my number one i will be continuing to see choreographic opportunities whether it's through my own, my own endeavors or uh, gaining commissions from companies. Uh, but yeah, I mean, all that or anything else that just happens to find its way into my schedule. I find that when I make space, things fill that space. And sometimes it's surprising what goes into it. Because I mean, I, it's not like I just make space and I stop and just like hope that people contact me i reach out to people and it's it's like back when i was commuting from philadelphia to new york and i didn't have a regular teaching schedule um i would reach out to organizations and that's how i ended up speaking for the actors fund and for gibney dance um so maybe i i will do more like more things like that i haven't given a speech in quite a while so uh, maybe i'll even rest <laughs> what a concept so yeah, that's that's what happened with my teaching this year. Um, I, I, the next thing, so like I was saying before, uh, choreography is my number one and everything else that I do is to supplement that. Uh, and I don't mean necessarily that that's like teaching pays so that I can choreograph. I mean, of course it does, but it's the idea that like the enrichment that I, I'm able to offer through teaching is uh, it directly filters into my choreography. Um, not only have can I develop dancers that I could work with, but it's also the idea that like, I'm learning how to teach my style and like what I want and how to correct dancers. Um, so there's value in it, like beyond just financial so yeah, choreography is obviously the next thing I'm going to talk about. Um, this area of my career is what drives me the most, but it has been the most deplete in active work and growth since I set up this period of stability. In fact, I feel I feel really stuck in at a crossroads as a choreographer Yes, recently in the past few years uh, when, w- with the stability, I have had the opportunity to work with talented students for competitions like Youth America Grand Prix, World Ballet Competition in the USA IBC but I haven't had a professional commission since my Hurricane Harvey creation in Houston with Uptown Dance Company in August of 2017. So, it's been almost 2 years that I haven't had a commission and I I had been wondering why things slowed down so much between then and now and it all became clear to me this past spring. If you aren't working on something, you're that less likely to gain opportunities in that area. And so so much of my focus has been on teaching over the past 2 years. Uh, that I haven't given any time to developing as a choreographer. In fact, I've been so beyond exhausted that I haven't even sent out like videos or kept in touch with the companies that I once was getting interest from. I knew I had to do something before I knew what was happening at the beginning of the season. Um, <laughs> I, didn't, I hadn't really figured out what was happening, but I knew I had to like, get back in the studio working with professionals. So in August, I asked a few of my professional dancing friends to play around in the studio with me as I began to conjure up the idea of starting my own company. This creative period was short lived with the beginning of my teaching year in September and poor financial news after we had to request an extension for our taxes. Um, and we had to request an extension because we turned in our taxes at the beginning of April and because of our move from Pennsylvania to New York and me working in so many places, it was just so chaotic that we had to file an extension. Um, unfortunately it took a long time for us to find out exactly what what our taxes would be um so we found ended up finding out in uh was it like late september because you get like 6 months to do an extension that we uh were going to be pummeled by taxes um and since that happened at the end of september uh we also learned that we would again be pummeled in the 2019 year um but the the issue was we were way too far into the year to resolve that. And I'm going to talk about that in a second. So I'm not going to get into too many details about that. But yeah, so when I got that news and uh, my schedule took over uh, for teaching, I just stopped trying to get dancers together to choreograph on because I couldn't find time in my schedule. And also just out of fear of spending my own money, like paying for studio rental, uh, not knowing if anything was going to come out of it. And definitely knowing that I wouldn't get any financial return from it that I could use towards paying off those taxes. After some dancers and trusted advisors kept at me for a few months, I decided that I would restart my intentions to build my own company in January. And let me just say, I don't know if they listen to this podcast, <laughs> but I need to put this out there to the public. I am so appreciative to those people that have really pushed me to continue pushing my choreography this past year. I, I don't know why. People have done that for me, but I feel so blessed, and I am so appreciative. And uh, it's been very heartwarming and inspirational. And uh, I again, I don't understand why people treat me so well in that sense, um, but I'm so grateful to those people that kept on me texting me calling me like every few weeks just to be like you need to do this you are going to do this and then also giving me valuable information and tools to make it happen so yeah i i did it i'm proud of what i've accomplished in the second half of the 2018 2019 season even if my company hasn't launched yet from beginning the development of a new Rite of Spring at the Mark Morris Shared Space Program to showing a pas de deux at the Steps Performance Lab at Steps on Broadway, Momentum is slowly continuing to build. I've got major plans for an end-of-summer fundraiser to lay the foundation for what will become my new project, Movement Headquarters Ballet Company. I've already received a major donation to hold an in-studio showing in New York City at the, either the end of the month of August or at some point in September, and things are starting to move faster and faster. So from a personal standpoint, I'm excited about the potential for my choreography over the next season. But all of this is still self-produced. And I, I, I'm i hungry to gain a commission from a recognized professional organization to recognize my work and potential in this area of my career. So yeah, that's that's where I am with choreography. Um, it I, I feel like I've just been in a hard place with it because I... Like I've gotten recognition as somebody with potential. I did the National Choreographers Initiative. I was a finalist at the uh, McCallum Theater Choreography Festival. I've had small commissions with, with uh, smaller companies. Um, but then it just all stopped. And I couldn't figure out why. And then, I, like I said, I just realized that I need to constantly be creating. And I didn't know how to do it because I was spending so much time teaching. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping that I figured this out and that I will have wonderful things to share with you throughout the 2019, 2020 season. All right, another area of my life <laughs> to analyze taxes. Yay, let's talk about taxes, I'm so excited. Yeah, so financially I'm just overwhelmed. Um, I had a, my most lucrative season ever and I worked so hard that I ended every week utterly exhausted. As I've already stated, we got some bad financial news back at the end of September. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, but after we had already started paying into a three week Asian vacation that we thought we could afford before we learned about our taxes, uh, did that make sense? This is what happens when you're sick. You say things and you're like, what did I just say? So essentially we had already started paying for this vacation before we realized that we would have to pay back all of these taxes. And, um, Yes, we had a free round trip, but uh, aside from two hotels, we were gone for three weeks. It was a lot of money we had to save up because not only did we have to have like spending money, hotels, transportation, um, food, we also had to pay our bills at home. So it was a lot of money. But honestly, what screwed us over the most was the marketplace for health insurance in New York City. In years past, my husband and I have qualified for uh, a subsidy. And considering you have to guesstimate your income for the year, I had no idea that I would make enough that we would have to pay back more than $7,000 of our healthcare subsidy in one fell swoop. And this was for utterly shitty insurance that we didn't even use. We had like a bronze plan and we would have had to pay into it. Like, I think it was like $6,000. What What's that called? It's uh, when you... Uh, Deductible, that's what it is. <clears throat> I like how like I'm starting to cough while I'm talking about like crappy health insurance and uh this healthcare subsidy. <laughs> Pull it together, Barry. But yeah, so uh, since we only found this out in near October, we immediately recognized that we would have to pay the same amount back for our 2018 taxes as well. So essentially all of the debt that I worked my ass off to pay over the past few years stabilizing my finances was dumped right back on us plus some. And honestly, I'm overwhelmed and I have given up, completely given up hope that I will ever be out of debt. Um, it's like... I mean, I feel that this also played into my decision to open up my schedule for new opportunities because I felt like, why should I work so hard doing things that don't directly feed into my goals if I'm only going to put myself further into debt? It was a really hard pill to, for me to swallow. To, <laughs> I've had a few meltdowns over this, if you can't tell. Um, just to be like, I killed myself this past year And to find out that like, I mean, I'm not going to give like a specific amount out of respect to my husband, but like definitely well over $10,000. I'm not even going to like go into it. It just upsets me. I can already feel my like blood starting to boil. But why did I work so, so, so hard to the point of almost burnout so that I would have to end up paying so much more money back? Um. It was a combination of that healthcare subsidy and I didn't realize my employers weren't taking out enough of my, my money for taxes. So yeah, I'm gonna be in debt until I'm dead. So somebody else will have to take care of it when I die. Hopefully it's when I'm like at least in my 80s and not soon. <laughs> wow, well, that got real positive. But you know, I'm not, I'm not afraid to share this stuff because I know that I'm not the only person going through this. Um, so yeah, I mean, if you're experiencing this, I know how you feel and it, yeah, it's miserable. It's awful. I hate it and it sucks. And I'm saying this on public format and hopefully, uh, it doesn't come back to bite me, but you know, it's reality. Um, I've never had an issue with taxes before in the last two years have just been devastating, completely and utterly devastating. I, I don't know any other way to put it. Um, but at least I've been getting some, some advice and consulting and I am working really hard to make sure that this never happens again. So, Cross your fingers for me. All right, moving on. I think I have like, I have two more sections that I wanted to talk about it, to analyze. So competition season, uh, a, a major part of what I've been doing the past few years as a teacher has been coaching students to compete uh, in competitions this year was particularly rough for me uh when it came to this the entire season it was the 20th anniversary of youth america grand prix and i am proud to say that i competed in the very first year of the competition and was a finalist during their second year so yeah i was there at the beginning uh heading to yagp as we call it has felt like a home away from home where i get to reconnect with past friends and colleagues um, and meet new new people, and relive moments of my childhood alongside my students. It's also made me feel like a parent sending my kids through a wonderful rite of passage into the dance world, but this year was just different. Uh, After riding on the pride I had Having two students make the finals last year and uh, receive scholarships to schools there, and then also choreographing for the top prize winner of the entire competition, I knew I wouldn't be able to match that excitement. Like I, I my expectations weren't to meet that because I knew that that was unrealistic. To get to work with the person who won the competition <laughs> two years in a row—that's not going to happen. Um, and then also just getting have, to have students progress into the finals. Um, it's, it's hard. And unless you're in like a major school that has uh, lots of students that have been brought in from outside schools and now they're training them, um, it's very infrequent for smaller, uh, home schools to have multiple students in the finals. But yeah, the challenges this year were beyond what I expected for, for me, two major problems arose. Uh, First, politics of my competition school got in the way of me getting to focus completely on supporting my students, but even worse was a general disregard for my work beyond a coach as a choreographer. Uh, For most ballet competitions, there's more leverage given to a classical piece than a contemporary piece. For instance, at YAGP, students aren't required to compete a contemporary piece to progress to the final round at the regional level, and... Although they are required to compete a piece in the finals, none of those progressing to the last round of the competition compete with the contemporary work. I think that this sometimes calls the bleeding of respect for those of us working our butts off to prepare kids to compete with our intellectual property. This year, I had a parent try to manipulate me into creating a piece with no preparation for the competition. I had a student refuse to state what they were planning on using my choreography for and then disappearing mid-season without one word. I got left out of conversations about competitions and had students just stop showing up for lessons. Uh, it was just a bad year for me because I wasn't able to set my own personal parameters. The, the challenge is like, I, I tend to prefer to coach students that I work with when I'm creating choreography and at the school that I, I worked, work at, uh, or worked at that, uh, had kids competing. I I wasn't allowed to coach the kids in the classical. So it was always contemporary, um, so yeah, I, I've decided to move forward this coming year and only work with students who I personally want to work with and to step away from a situation where I'm an in-house choreographer and expected to work with whomever asks to work with me. I I, I know that this sounds very negative, um, but there, there are really two ways that you can work as a competition coach when it comes to contemporary choreography. Classical is different because you're teaching a, st- a set uh variation and you end up just really coaching um but when it comes to contemporary um some people are hired as a choreographer and they just choreograph and then send the student off to their home school and their coaches take over and then other times you are their contemporary choreographer and their coach um i prefer to coach them because i think i'm a pretty a pretty damn good coach um i mean the proof is in the pudding but uh if I feel like a situation isn't right, I'm happy to to give to offer choreography, but I think that I'll just say, okay, pay me like a a one-off fee, and then you go home and have your coach take care of it, and then I can sort of just let it go. Um, but it's it's harder when you feel that like attachment as a coach, so. Um, I'm so grateful to take part in these competitions, but this year has just put a bad taste in my mouth. And I, I realize that I need to take control of the situation instead of letting it be dictated to me. All right, the last uh, subject that I want to analyze would be publicity. And this is kind of like media and social media all thrown together into to one, one topic. This year has been really bipolar for me when it came to publicity. While I was recognized with a feature on me in dance magazine and was asked to profile a major Asian company for points, social media has been the dumps. <laughs> uh, after seven years of blogging and writing on my own platforms, all of my, my hard work paid off with a freelance contract to write for dance media publications. So social media, not so well, like other forms of media, spectacular, like bipolar as possible. Not only, uh, like, like with dance, dance media, not only can they ask me to write for them, but I can also pitch my own ideas for pieces to them, which is really, really cool. In fact, I've got two pieces that I'm working on right now, but with social media, I have utterly stagnated. And it's kind of embarrassing because like dance USA has called me, uh, an influencer in social media. And that was when I was blogging all the time. And now that I'm writing more for dance media, I'm not blogging. And, uh, I'm relying on like my Facebook and my Instagram for my social media. So social media has been my thing for years, but Instagram has proven to be challenging this year. Before we left for Asia, I watched my following grow and even better engagement was at an all-time high for me. But after posting epic, epic photos uh, or like a photo journal of our trip to Asia, everything just stopped working upon our return at the beginning of 2019. Again, weird. I have multiple communities from dancers to the gay community, to those who enjoy my shots of cityscapes and nature, but I have had practically zero growth since the beginning of the year and engagement has completely stagnated. If not dropped off, I posted this beautiful picture. One of my friends actually pointed this out. Um, but I posted this beautiful picture when my husband and I went to Hartford and it was this like statue in a museum with two people sitting on a marble bench and like just this water and beautiful reflection and I got like 20 likes uh I'm not trying to sound like I don't know like that means anything to me like as a person but like I don't know like if if I post I I I learned like if I post cheap things, I get more likes and more comments. And if I post things that are have more uh, value and more content, uh, people tend to ignore it. Um, if I post that I did something amazing, people like it. If I uh, post something more serious, nobody likes it. It's 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 just been, it's been interesting because I've always been like the candid person, and like my typical like formula it's not working. So again, I felt burnt out with social media and honestly, I feel myself pulling away from it each and every day. But I know I need social media for multiple purposes and just need to stick with it until I find my myself back in a groove again. So hopefully that will happen soon. I just need to like I need some time to like reformulate. Like I I have this podcast, that's media. Great. It, it's going very well. I, I have my, my dance media writing. It's going great. Um, but anything relating to like building an audience, not so great. And I can't figure out why. Well, I guess that that's going to be one of my things in 2019, 2020. So yeah, with all that said, uh, where do I hope to grow in the 2019, 2020 season? I'm sure that by the end of the summer that this will be adjusted in some way. But I'm pretty sure that choreography will be the theme of my 2019, 2020 season. Um, when I was super commuting, the theme was move to New York. When I moved to New York, the theme was get as much teaching as possible so that you can you can make money. But going through everything that I've gone through this year um, and recognizing like when I've been most inspired over the past handful of years, choreography is where it's at. So that really needs to be the underlying theme, if not overriding theme of, of my year. Um, I mean, let's see. I just pulled out my retreat, my retreat list. Um, and at the end of every retreat, I write 10 goals. I'm not going to share all 10 goals with you, but uh, these are my hopes. Uh, these are the things I'd like to achieve in in the upcoming season. So I'm going to have an in-studio fundraiser for Movement Headquarters, um, and I'm going to, that's gonna happen, I've already mentioned that in August, likely at the end of August. Um, I'll tell you guys all about that if you want to take part in it. It's gonna be a great festivity where we're gonna have dance and we're gonna have a a silent auction and um, some collaborations. So I'm really looking forward to that. But yeah, so. Um, I want to use the in studio fundraiser to launch officially launch my ballet company movement headquarters ballet company um, no later than February um, also another goal of mine is to commute out of the city only two times a week uh, starting this fall I, I commuted every day from Philadelphia up to New York sometimes up to Greenwich Connecticut and back uh, back in 2017 2018 I commuted four times a week. Uh, that was 2017, 2018 season. And then this past year, I commuted three times a week. So my goal is to reduce that another day. So only commute two times a week. Because, um, you know, I would get rid of it all, but Papa's got to pay his bills. Um, other than that, <laughs> what else am I hoping? I <clears throat> would love to gain an adjunct faculty position at a university in New York City or uh teach in a conservatory at a pre-professional school in Manhattan. Um, also teaching wise, like I'd like to start to travel more again, to do more master classes and also tap into the convention scene. Um, I feel like the convention scene is something that I've sort of like, It's been kind of like riding parallel to me and I've watched a handful of my colleagues at Broadway Dance Center do it and I've never even asked about it. So I think that I I, I see it over there and I'm ready to sort of like dabble and test it out and see if that's something that I would be really interested in doing. Um, What else? I, (laughs) this is, you know, dream big kids. I want to be uh, featured on the cover of a dance publication. I think that that's, a major goal of mine because I think that it's sort of a big credibility thing to say like this person is done a lot for the dance world and is an important figure, somebody that you should train with or somebody that you would want to dance for, um, whether it be choreography or teaching, I don't care. Or podcasting, put me on a cover. No, <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, in, in reality, I want it to be something that really represents the work that I do and all the hard work that I put out Um, I would love to gain a commission, uh, with a regional organization beyond just my own work, um, just to validate my choreography so that it's not just me putting out my choreography, but it's a company seeing that there is, uh, potential in in what I do and the the work that I do is interesting. Um, yeah, those are just a few of the things. I mean, (laughs) I, I really do think choreography is going to be my theme of the 2019, 2020 season. I'm nervous. I've changed a lot in my life in the past uh, few weeks. And, uh, I don't know if I'm yet feeling those changes, but I will definitely, The summer is going to be a bit about like recovering and, uh, Regaining. I'm, I'm spending a couple days with our friend j Rowe, uh at a beach house in Long Island in June and July. My husband and I are going out to LA to visit family. So we'll be out there. I can teach some out there too if you're in the LA area. But most of that's just for relaxing. Um, and then hopefully by August, September, things are starting to line up and I'll have a better idea of what I'm doing. So yeah. Uh, I can't believe that we are already going to be entering the roaring 20s. <laughs> you know, the 2020s. But I've worked really hard over the past years to transition out of my performance career, to move to New York City, to stabilize and grow the second stage of my dance career. And a lot of this meant focusing on everybody but myself. This doesn't mean I haven't been working on myself or for myself. It just means that I haven't directly focused on what I want beyond stability. Well, this is all about the change. And in fact, it will change only a few days after this podcast airs as my 2018-2019 school year comes to an end and we head on into the 2019 and 2020, roaring 20s, <laughs> uh, that that season. Am I nervous to make this change? Yes, but I've never let that stop me before. It's time, all of these little steps I've taken since 2014, since I... I practically ended my performance career are leading to now. And I'm ready to live in the moment and succeed at what I feel I should be doing, not what I need to do for stability. So yeah, that's what's going on in my life. I hope that you enjoyed uh, hearing me be a little bit, uh, I don't know, like selfish and talk about myself and what I'm doing. Um, But I do hope that my evaluating my season inspires you to evaluate your season and that by you listening to the way that I went about evaluating my own, that maybe you can take some of the information and tools that I've offered to help you reach your goals and to have the best 2019, 2020 dance season possible. So with that, I'm going to call this episode to an end i hope that you enjoyed this week's episode of Poda chat talking dance if there are any topics you'd like to hear me talk about please feel free to reach out to me via my website contact page at www.barrycorollis.com again that's www.barrycorollis.com you can also reach out on there if you'd like to become a sponsor for our podcast or to book master classes in ballet or contemporary technique for choreography or speaking engagements I hope you enjoyed listening in and talking dance with me. If you enjoyed this chat, please feel free to share, rate, and review our podcast on iTunes. Every bit of extra visibility helps keep these podcasts running. And if this didn't fulfill your dance fix, check out my sister podcasts on the Premiere Dance Network. New hosts from your favorite dance companies are being added monthly. If you want to connect with me to see where I'm choreographing, teaching, and what I'm doing in my everyday life, you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, where my name is B Corollis, or Twitter at Bariscos. Also be sure to subscribe to my blogs. I have Life of a Freelance Dancer at lifeofafreelancedancer.blogspot.com and I wrote on there for five years about working as a freelance artist and an independent contractor. I also have Dancing Off Stage and you can find that at dancingoffstage.wordpress.com and on there I wrote about the post-performance careers of professional dancers. I also have a YouTube channel that features my choreography. If you're interested in checking that out, you can go to youtube.com, go to the search panel, and type in B Corollis. Thanks for listening in to Pot of Chat. I hope you return two weeks from this Friday to talk dance with me, and remember to go out and support your local dance scene. <laughs>